This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. Get me back my It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all Coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, Our introductory show tonight features our Grindhouse Pizzeria, which is dedicated to all things Grindhouse and exploitation. Whether it's extra cheesy or loaded with meat. You'll always get a belly full of hot, nasty goodness. Come on in, pull up a chair and grab you a slice. Prepare yourself for the most intensely shocking motion picture of our time. Nightmare, the motion picture everyone is talking about. Steve? From the man who terrified you in Dawn of the Dead and Friday the 13th, special effects director Tom Savini, now comes Nightmare.
21st Century Distribution, coming soon. All righty, folks. Welcome once again to Grindhouse Pizzeria on the Cinema Degeneration Network. I'm your host, Cameron Scott, and joining me once again is my good friend, Tom Commissar. How you doing tonight, Tom? I'm doing great, my friend. Doing great. How you doing, brother? Oh, hanging in there. Hanging in there. Overworked, underpaid. Ah, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, get- keep keeping it going through uh, all, all the pandemic stuff. Just keeping myself occupied. Pandemic? I, I haven't heard of that. What? What is that? What happened? What? Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on who, depends on who you ask right now. Yeah. I, don't I don't know. Life hasn't cha- changed much for me, actually. I, I'm one of the few people that after I, I was off work for about a year, year and a half, recovering from my surgery, and I, I, I decided to go back to work during the pandemic, so how fucking nuts am I? <laughs> hey, man, it's, uh, it's all good. Just We all got to just take care of ourselves and, and take care of each other. Yep. And, you know, just you know, be safe. That's all. Yes, yes, sir. But we're gonna we're gonna be talking tonight about everything but probably the word safe. There is no, there is no safe. <laughs> uh, we're gonna be reviewing and talking about in a deep discussion the the nineteen eighty one film Nightmare, directed by Romano Scavellini, uh, which I watched. Uh, I don't have a physical copy of it. I actually watched this one uh, on Prime, where it's uh, uh, streaming uncut. Uh, way it should be i remember only seeing this movie back in the day probably it was about 83 84 i was about eight or nine years old way too young and uh watched it on uh rented vhs but it was the heavily cut r-rated version and it was not the way to watch it yeah i uh i I remember this film back in the day i don't remember where i saw it it was probably on a vhs and yeah it probably was uh edited i don't remember i remember the movie but i don't remember exactly but you certainly yeah absolutely you can certainly watch the uh unedited one which is definitely get, uh, uh recommend that because it's really uh well, we're going to get into it right now but it's it's definitely something that this one it seems to get overlooked it doesn't really get a lot of attention but uh, no. I, I think it's one of the cooler slasher films out there and if, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it Hey, Amazon's, you know, Prime, you can see it for nothing. You know, get on there and watch it. Because if you're a horror fan, and you, especially if you're a slasher fan, this is this is a good one. I mean, this is this has got some good stuff in it. And highly you recommend. Know, it's highly underrated and overlooked. You know, it's not mentioned within the same uh, circles as, you know, like the, the big boys on Halloween and Friday the 13th and whatnot. But even as far as cult films go, I don't hear it get mentioned much. I mean, you know... It, uh, we've covered a couple good ones already. We've done pieces uh, on another show. We reviewed Maniac, which I feel this film is a lot like in a way. It's yeah. the same kind of feeling, uh, but you know, it, it's it's very gory. The, the 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 kill scenes are exceptionally graphic, and I think that's probably what uh, well, not probably that's definitely what got it. It's uh, video nasty uh, list bands banned in the UK. God, in the 80s for a couple of decades, I believe, before they passed it. Uh, yeah, and uh, I was doing some research on stuff I didn't know. But besides being a video nasty, I was reading, well, you know, you get on Wikipedia. But if you look it up, they were saying that the uh, that uh, the actual distributor was sentenced to 18 months in prison for refusing to edit one second of violent footage. 
Yeah. I mean, if that's actually true, that's pretty badass that you're, that you, you know, that would be, <laughs> you're willing to go to prison because you're not going to edit any of the good stuff out of it. That, I mean, if that happened, that guy, that person, whoever it is, uh, needs the, needs a round of applause. Cause, uh, if that, if they actually went to prison for that, that's, that's some balls right there because that, because when you watch it, you see it, like we've seen so much stuff now you're like, okay, yeah, this is really violent. It's gory. But, and, but back then you can imagine, yeah, that was probably pretty shocking because some of these scenes are like, you know, you know, they're pretty, they're gory. And then they stand up, you know, now you watch them even now you're like, Oh man, I mean, anybody that's into this stuff, you know, can really appreciate it. They did a great job. And for, for you to put your own life, you know, on hold to go to prison. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, Hey, my hat's off brother. <laughs> you know, Yeah, more power to you. I mean, that's where you want to make your stand. Not many people would make that stand. And I, I, I got to commend them for that. Uh, you know, I mean, don't be censored, man. Fuck that shit. Right, exactly. Especially but, but, movies like this, you know, this is what we want to see. You know, don't censor this shit. See a slasher, you you expect to see a few kill scenes. You expect to see a, a little bit of blood. I mean, what are they supposed to use? Harsh language? Right. <laughs> <laughs> the first thought I had in this movie, though, uh, the first note I had was that the opening reminded me a lot of the shot on video I classic uh, Truth or Dare. Ah, yes. Um, you know, uh, go ahead. Well, it's just in, in theme, you know, it just had that feeling of, of like, you know, and it was like, did Tim Ritter direct this? Nope, nope, unfortunately not, but, you know. The setup for this movie, which is really cool, it's a, it's a good thing. Character named uh, George Tatum um, is actually, uh, has been in, in a psychiatric institution. And it starts, it's, they don't waste any time. It starts right into it where he's, you know, uh, he's having, he has these horrible nightmares and you find out that, uh, some really nasty shit happened to him when he was a kid that kind of fucked him up for his whole life. And, uh, he's having an episode in the psychiatric ward and it starts out right off the back when they show, uh, his, the, the dream that he's having, it's mm -hmm. when it kind of reoccurs. And that first, I know what you're talking about that scene in the bedroom where, you know, you see basically he's, <laughs> He, he's like looking down at his feet and like there's blood all over the bed. And there's a head, you know, right. And the head opens his eyes. And looks at him. Right. And I mean, that, they go right into it. And it's like, Ooh, yeah. All right. <laughs> and it just comes right at you. And, uh, we find out that the poor guy has, uh, not only is he having these horrible nightmares, but they're actually doing, they're kind of using him as a Guinea pig. The guys that run this institution are, giving him these drugs, they're trying to rehabilitate him. And they think this, this therapeutic, these drugs are giving him and that are going to make him, you know, normal, quote unquote, and let him out again in society, uh, which is a setup obviously for failure because, you know, and then they're monitoring. I like how they do it though, because they got, because the, the, the technology is dated, but it looks really cool. You know, you know, what I'm talking about like when they oh, finally yeah, yeah. The, the, the scene with the monitors and the, the wall of monitors and the, the readouts that are printing. Yeah, it's I almost have, like, a, next, that. like that was a great shit. Yeah, it's cool because they've got a nice setup where they're in this like room and like this monitor and this old graphics coming up and they kind of use it for exposition. You know, they're kind of telling you stuff you need to know and it's kind of a clever way of doing it. Like, okay. 
but it's kind of cool because it, it kind of it gives you stuff like, okay, what's going on here? And, and then this stuff kind of tells you what's going on, you know, that sort of getting like specifics and details about the guy and why he's there. And he's got schizophrenia and, you know, and, uh, and it's a good setup for, for, you know, basically they, they break the, the movie goes into a thing with like, you know, day one. And, you know, and so this is the I first like day they're going into this thing and hey, go ahead. I was say I like that. I like that because there's different points in the movie where it says the first day, the, the, the second day. You know, like it's 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 told with those little chapter title, you know, title cards. I like that. Yeah, it's cool. And it kinda like it's uh, you know, like like Tarantino, you know, chapter three, you know, and then it's like whatever other thing is. It's like it's kinda cool. It's like it's it's set it's a good setup. And then so basically what happens is he's still even though they're uh they're giving him this this thing to help kind of reprogram him this experimental procedure uh, they uh they let him go they let him back out on the streets he's still plagued by these nightmares and the nightmares what's cool about it is they don't give it to you all at once you see him as a little boy and uh he he, he comes home from school and he's and they show like little backstories of like what's going on where he goes upstairs and uh and he comes in he he walks into a room like kind of peeks through the door and he sees his dad uh tied up to a bed and there's a woman on top of his dad um that uh uh and basically it's they're kind of in a sadomasochistic kind of a sexual relationship thing that are going on and it tweaks his melon you know like he sees that and it's his dad you know so it, it fucks him up you know so but what's cool is they don't, they kind of spread it out through the movie. Like they show you a little bit of him freaking out and then it yeah, goes back. Yeah. So it's not totally like, they don't give it away yet. Like, like, you know, obviously <laughs> you get little hints throughout the movie. Like, okay, this, he, this got real right. bad here. It's and, just little uh, bits and pieces, little, a little taste here and there, but they, they're never quite giving you the full hundred percent of the picture. They're giving you little, little sections of it bit by bit. And I, I kind of like that they, I call it the checkerboard effect. They're like, going to get give you a little bit, wait a little while, give you a little bit more. Right, right. Just enough to kind of like, oh, okay, now where are we going with this? And so they let the poor guy out. He's in New York. And and so he's wandering around. He's having these flashbacks. And uh, and, and uh, he goes, uh, what happened? He goes, into a, he goes into a peep show. And he's down in like Sleazy Park, like, I don't know, 42nd Avenue or whatever. He's down like, you know, peep show city where – all kinds of crazy where he probably shouldn't be, and he's walking around, you know, in New York. Place for a guy with, with his diagnosis. Because I got I got to interrupt you for one second. Like I wrote down that one of my first notes was his diagnosis on that uh, that readout was schizophrenia, mild amnesia, homicidal dream fixation, and seizures. So you know, this going into it when the next scene like, after they let him out and he's got the helter skelter eyes. The first place he goes is to a, a, you know a, a nudie booth at a you know at a strip right. show. That's that's the perfect that's the perfect place for him to like you know like forget him to <laughs> that's the perfect, perfect all that kind place of, all that kind of <laughs> you know that that kind of you know um, uh, what am I trying to say here you know just from you know the things to get his head back and you know like right. just trigger him you know like all this perfect rehabilitation technique right. <laughs> right and send him right back out in the thick of the sleaziest fucking place on the planet you know this area so anyway it's cool he goes in, he goes into this fucking nudie booth area and uh 
it's cool because uh, he goes into this room, and we you you can describe the room. Go ahead. What happens when he walks in? It's the sleaziest, dirtiest room. You know, you got they all got these little booths. These these men are like sitting around in a circle watching a girl strip, you know, and they're just paying with like change or tokens, you know, and for, for this girl to do a strip tease, you know, where they can throw her money and some tips, but you know, you can see the different guys all looking around and then they're all the creepiest looking dudes in the world is the, the creepiest atmosphere in the world that I've, I've ever seen. I've never witnessed it, uh, in real life, but oh, I wouldn't want to either. Is this, dirty and scuzzy but this poor girl that's dancing she just she just it doesn't even it doesn't even look sexy she's like trying to lick her teeth and lick her lips but it is like she just right. got fresh off the off the like the the bus from you know Connecticut or somewhere down <laughs> south she's like I, I guess this is sexy I'll lick my teeth at you <laughs> all right let me interrupt you real quick I've got believe it or not I have a I have a story. All right. Oh, no. A nudie booth okay. story? Yes. Now, okay. listen up. Okay. This is when I lived out in California on Lancashire Boulevard. It's probably not there anymore. But if I remember right, this place was called The Vixen. And my buddy Frank, my old punk rock singer from the Membranes from years ago, old good buddy of mine, um, <laughs> one day we're driving around L.A. and we lived not too far from that place. He's like, hey, let's go to the Vixen. I'm like, oh, fuck. Now, I've seen it a million times. I've never actually gone in there. We go in there, and it's just, it's it's like, you know, mid, early 80s, mid 80s, somewhere in there. We walk in the door. I'm going to make it short. Try to. But it's just like this fucking place. We walk in there. There's this big fat guy behind the counter. And, right, and you know, you give him money, and he gives you some tokens. And you walk back to this room, and they got all these little booths that you can go in and, you know, kind of take care of business. And there's like, Tissues like wadded up all over the floor. I was like, oh, what are we doing in here? I don't want to be in here. I'm laughing. Like, come on. So we go to a room. Okay, now if you've seen Nightmare, if you've seen Nightmare, then you know that room we're talking about. But if you haven't, and when you do see it, when you see that room, it's it's these guys sitting behind this thing, and then these like drawers open up, and it's like little windows that yeah. shut and close, and then you can peer inside this room and this girl's dancing. Okay. This room was just like that in the movie, almost, except you couldn't reach in, but it had plexiglass things, and you put your tokens in, and these things open up. I'm like, oh, my God, what are we doing? And we're and, and I'm looking at this thing, and this couch is nasty couch. Like, you wouldn't want to, God, my God, this couch must be the nastiest thing. And there's these girls, and these poor girls look like they just, they're just strung out and, like, you know, just hating life. And, and, and it was, it was, you know. And like this one, they look at each other like, all right, whose turn is it? And she gets up and they walk over to the windows and they dance in front of the plexiglass for the guys until the time runs out. And then the thing comes back down. You can't, you know, see her anymore. And it's just like that. These stupid heads. You can see these guys looking in the window, like the plexiglass. And so like, what the fuck? What a bunch of fools. What are we doing in here? It was so funny. When I saw this movie, I'm laughing my ass. I'm like, oh, it's so disgusting. Anyway, it was just like that scene in that movie. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God. Reminds me of the Vixen. Me and Frank. Like, walking <laughs> around. It, was, it, was, it doesn't bring back memories at all, does it? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. So, he goes there. Let's get back to the movie. 
Yeah, goes, yeah. Get back to our uh, Mr. McSweaty guy. That's the, the, like I always keep referring to him as McSweaty because he always looks like he's like like they oh. hold him down with like you know a mister or something at every scene. So sweaty. Yeah. Oh my god, it's pouring off his bangs like when he's looking down. It's like he's always like always greasy and just sweaty, like he's profusely sweating. And uh, so anyway, he's tripping now because now he's seen these girls and this and like he's just you know what he does the next day. He's down there by the water. He's looking across at New York, and he's looking at uh, or New Jersey, wherever. He's looking across the water, and he's kind of hanging out. And he basically steals somebody's car. He steals his car. He's got the keys in it. And he gets in. And he takes off driving. What we find out later is he's heading to Florida. But what happens is his car breaks down. Uh, he's in Myrtle Beach, and so he goes to some bar, and he's kind of hanging out. He's stranded there. And he's into some little country bar or something. And he sees this woman and he follows her home. She doesn't know it. She goes in her house, takes a shower or whatever she's doing. And some guy she's seeing is trying to call and see if she's okay. And then they do this cool shot where she bends over to get the phone or whatever. He's standing right behind her like he must have broke into her place. And it's a fucking great shot because he's got this knife and he's got this look on his face. And it's like. Holy shit. And she has no idea. And the next thing you know, he's got her. And they do a really good throat slice. I mean, this this is a good, this is a really good shot. It looks real. The blood is really coming out of her. I mean, it's like, you know, it's 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 horrible. You know, it, it's a, I mean, it's it's a, it was shot. Yeah, they, beautiful. they do not skimp on the red stuff. Not one single bit. Not at all. And then if that's not bad enough, when, you know, she's like, uh, if I believe, if I remember right, She's like wrapped up in her towel, like her bath towel, I think. And then mm-hmm. like he, he's down on the ground now and you know, she's he's cut her throat. And then he's sticking the knife in into her abdomen, you know, and then talk about the sweat he's been over. Like a typical like kind of stabbing scene, you know, and I'd say that yeah. the stabbing is any way, shape, or form typical, but it's very slow and very yeah. deliberate. It, it just makes yeah. it so much more squeamy or squeam it makes it so much more squeamish. Yeah, because it's like he's enjoying it, but he's not because he just looks like he's in pain, like, Ugh, but he's just got to do it. And he just like kind of puts the knife and you can just imagine it poking through the skin and going into your you know, organs and shit. And it's like, oh, God, it's it's nasty because, yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not like you know, it's like <laughs> he's stabbing. He's not. It's like real slow and methodical. And he's just kind of, you know, poking it into her and then taking it out and and, and, yeah. and then. And it, it's rough. I mean, it's like, oh man, this is this is really gruesome. And uh, I, you know, I can just imagine, you know, people back then, you know, not seeing a bunch of a guy going, you know, no wonder they <laughs> banned it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, was, I can understand it. I don't agree with it, you know, because I don't believe right. in censorship. You know, even if it's something that I don't agree with, I don't believe in censoring it because, you know, I mean, if it's somebody else's bag, that's fine. That's their thing. Right. It doesn't mean I have to watch that movie, and it doesn't mean I have to read that book. It, it just means that, you know, I find another movie to watch. Or I find another book to read. It just right. makes sense to me. <laughs> exactly. And uh, with now, so where he's at now, basically, I think he steals her car, and he's headed to where we find out in the little backstory. They've already shown the family. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. They do show the family 
uh, in Florida, and we find out that it's his ex-wife uh, is, yes. is living at the place down in Florida, uh, actually in uh, Daytona, Daytona Beach. And uh, she's got uh, uh, her two daughters, um, and then she's got uh, two daughters. The one is um, one is uh, Tammy, and one is Kim. And then the son, the boy, the young boy, uh, uh, CJ, the little ba- little bastard, I call him. Yeah, CJ, he's a little, CJ, he's a little bastard, man. <laughs> he's a little prick. He's a prankster, but he's funny. But yeah, he's a little pain in the ass. You can tell like, that kid would wear you out. But they they kind of showed them already. Uh, a little bit early in the film, kind of set it up. Well, anyway, our guy George uh, Tatum is going down there to basically see his ex-wife and the kids. Now, they don't know what dad looks like. Mom's got a boyfriend, this guy uh, named Bob, who's got a boat. And he it's seems like a person. somebody named Bob. It's always yeah, Bob. Named Bob. Bob. And, and, uh, and uh, he's... Uh, Kind of like a hippie kind of a guy, like he's laid, like kind of like you know, laid back, kind of like you know, you know, really. He's he's, he's actually pretty cool. He's kind of got he's got a beard. He's, he seems like a roadie for like he seems like a roadie for uh, like the Grateful Dead or something. Right. right, you know, price, you know, smokes a joint. He's real philosophical and he's related back about everything, and he's he's always kind of the cool head, and uh, he's actually pretty cool. But anyway, so he goes down there and um, CJ's. Start seeing the guy because our guy George now has made it to Florida and uh, he's been making phone calls. They've got a babysitter that watches uh, this blonde girl named Kathy who they've already shown her and they've shown some of the pranks that actually uh, freaks her out. But she, she, she ends up watching the kids. She's like a teenage, like an older teenage girl uh, that yeah. watches the kids. Just and, kind of the uh, typical, uh, you know, teenage babysitter role. Right, the teacher exactly. It's the babysitter, you know, and and uh, and so they got some good setups with that. Now they, the house that they have there is really cool. They do a lot of cool shots in this house, and our, our little tormentor CJ is kind of rigging up something to scare him with. He builds this like monster-looking thing with a mask on it, uh, with uh, and uh, he's doing this to basically torment the babysitter some more and do some other stuff. So the setup is. Uh, now George is down there and he's watching the family and, uh, things are starting to ramp up here. Uh, there's, there's a thing where he's following, uh, CJ around and CJ's playing with some friends at some, like, like a warehouse or some kind of house or some abandoned house or something. I don't remember. It was exactly. an abandoned house. It looked like to me, yeah. it wasn't like completely clear, but yeah, it just looked like an, an abandoned kind of beach house. Yeah, and and the kids are in there playing around, and CJ's out there somewhere, and unbeknownst to them, they there's some another cool stuff there where a girl, uh, he he kills her first. Um, they're in the house, kind of playing hide and seek or something like that, and this girl gets killed, and then there's a cool reveal scene where this other boy comes in looking for CJ. This thing falls down. You see the dead girl tied uh, to this chair. And she's got her eyes open, and there's rats crawling on her, you know. And then the boy oh, freaks the out. Rats. That they was so rats. creepy. Yeah, yeah, that was really creepy. The girls was looking. Kind of reminded me of something out of like, you know, uh, uh, you know, just that girl tied to the chair reminded me like Black Christmas, you know, like some girl just tied in a chair. Oh, and yeah. Good. And then, uh, and it was pretty. It was it was pretty wicked scene. And then it's that's freaky enough. And then uh, and then the boy 
they do the scene again where I think, uh, if I remember correctly, I think the boy does something and then the, he's standing behind him. I don't know if that was that scene or not. But anyway, our guy George now, he kills that boy too. So now he's killed two of CJ's friends. There's a scene that night when they discover the bodies, they think that maybe CJ had something to do with it because they, they he may have known about it because he's such a little shit. And then well, yeah, they, they question him. That cop is like, like keeps asking him the same question just over and over and over. Did you, you know, did you do something to your friend? Did you do something to your friend? It's very awkward because CJ just clams up and doesn't say anything. And he's usually put it quite bluntly. I'm a mouthy little prick, you know, but uh, he looks kind of guilty. They got the boy, the dead boy, one of girl. And he's not like he's like not giving him the information like he shouldn't. He's not denying it. He's just kind of like sitting there and it's like they're all looking at him like, oh, my God, you know, what does this boy do? And so it kind of looks like that. And then, uh, so basically, we, we get back to, they're back at the house. And, you know, he I think he's been grounded or something. And they got the, I think mom wants to go out. I think they had a beach trip where Bob takes the, the kids out to the beach. And then they see the man walking around again. And uh, CJ, he says, I see that. That's the guy that was, you know. And then it was like, hey, you know, Bob's like, you know, have you heard of the boy that cries wolf? You know, and it's like, you know, and it's a, it's a setup now where they're like, what's going on with CJ? You know, and that's kind of thing. So they, they get back to the house. They're kind of, you know, they're back at the house by themselves with the babysitter. And then uh, they've got the, uh, you know, then you've got now the setup where I'll, I'll let you take it from here. I'm kind of rambling, but that's where they, they now the George now gets into the house. It's the babysitter. They do the jump scare where the babysitter's watching in the dark. She's watching TV. And you see a door open up. And you're thinking, oh, my God, who is it? And then this guy comes in and starts laying a kiss on her. And it's her boyfriend. You know, so it's like, ah! You know, it's like, okay. And she's like, you know, she kisses him. And it's like, oh, the jump scare. You know, and then they decide to, they have sex. And they're smoking some weed. Or they're going to smoke some weed. And then the thing that was earlier in the show where CJ built that little scary monster, the mask that was on that. Now our killer George is wearing the mask. And now we're into the, now we're in the house and there's like lots of cool shots of this dark house, the babysitter, she's going to get something. And then the boyfriend's getting the weed and now they're separated. And now it goes to, and I'll let you go ahead and describe that part. Well, I, I want to get off on one little t- tangent here before that. The reason why nobody is believing CJ is because not just because he's a prankster, because he's like faked the, the the prank that he pulled was that he got his guts ripped open. So, oh, you know, that, was, that, one, that was one thing that you kind of got past as we were, were, were talking about that. You know, uh, you know, he, he uh, had both his sisters in a panic. You know, his guts are hanging out. He's covered in like a gallon of blood. And then the mom and the boyfriend show up and they figure out it's like, wow, what the hell was it? Uh, strawberry jam, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was like ketchup and strawberry jam or whatever. Yeah, but the the mask though that 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 kid built because he built like a a fake contraption to make himself look like he was much taller, like an adult, and had the creepy mask that he was scaring them with. But now uh, our our killer, our uh, uh, George T- uh, <clears throat> excuse me, George Tatum, is now wearing the mask. Right. And and he's just 
going to lay waste to fucking everything. <laughs> I mean, he's going to kill the kids. He's going to kill the babysitter. He's going to kill fucking everybody. And uh, well, and I also want to want to mention one thing is there we we've kind of forgotten about the subplot of the doctor that has been that I forgot the doctor's name, but he the doctor that was in charge of the uh, new treatment that George Tatum was going to be under. Oh. And, yeah, they you know we 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 glossed over that, but we we get off track here. We don't exactly move in a linear fashion. We can jump back and forth, but. Uh, <laughs> He's been set to like by you know the the state's attorney's office and whatnot to go and find this dude because they they know they there's like been a trail of bodies going everywhere he's been going like they they know that the treatment hasn't worked so he's been given the task to find him which like he's always two steps behind him no matter what and right. the, note I, the note I had and and you can tell me if I'm wrong but did the doctor or not look like fucking Jim Henson. Ah, yeah, he did. He was, uh, and, and when I like, yeah, I'm glad you brought us back to that because yeah, we did. I did overlook that. That he did look like him, and he, you know, it was kind of like at first, it was kind of like, oh no, he's going to be fine. Everything's fine. He's okay. We just got to find him. But I like this. I don't know if this guy was the state's attorney general or what this guy was, but the little guy that always had the cigar, he had the real high voice. Remember, he's yeah. the guy, what are you talking? Yes. You're as dumb as you're the biggest schmuck as I thought you were, or something. He says some shit like that. He's like, "This guy's out, you know, killing people, and we gotta find him," you know. So that, that so that was a pretty good. Those are pretty cool, uh, you know, little little sub characters there that were pretty important because they were, those were the guys. Well, and he's never known by anything except for he's never called by name, and in the, the credits, he's just known as Man with Cigar. So you don't yeah. really know who, exactly who the fuck he is. I just assume he was uh, you know, state's attorney, gen- you know, attorney general, or something like that. You know, uh, some sort of official. And I'm like, okay, yeah, like an, a detective, a sheriff, a something. You know, a, a, a night watchman, a, a rent a cop, somebody, anybody other than just man with cigar. <laughs> well, because he, he was really a, he was the guy that was going through the computer footage. You know, like all that stuff where he's 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 the guy sitting at the you know, the old, this archaic computer screen with the, you know, with, with the thing you were saying about it, saying, you know, the our guy, the schizophrenia, schizophrenia and all that stuff. He's the one doing all this research. So he was real important. He didn't even have a name or role. We didn't really know who he was, but, uh, but yeah, it was, but uh, they were pretty, they were, it was pretty cool. And they, they end up it, on that computer. There's a scene where they find out that he was in South Carolina and then they find out he's, They've got this cool little thing, probability, you know, 6% he's here, you know, 19% he's here, 91% he's in Daytona, they're like, Daytona Beach, and next thing you know, they're in a car, you know, going to Daytona to go find him. (laughs) It's all uh, very non-scientific, you know, it's like you can tell they had a little bit of new technology that was new for 1980, 81, you know, and they were just like, okay, computers can just do this now and it's just like uh yeah they didn't they didn't science very well there's a cool scene in the car though where they do kind of explain where they're because they're saying well why what is this and then they kind of we this is kind of where they kind of give us a little more information on the kid the boy george our killer when he was a kid they kind of talk a little bit about that 
they're just saying, well, you know, that's, you know, and they kind of, they, they explain, because they got another guy with them that I think he's, I'm not sure exactly what he is, if he's a police or a detective, but he kind of gets a little backstory of, of what happened to our killer George when he was a kid. That little scene where they show with the father, they keep showing that. Right, now, the little snippets of the, 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 the flashbacks to the nightmare that he constantly keeps having. They kind of give you that big moment of exposition where they kind of explain everything that happened to him as a child. Right, and there's even, a po- there's even one scene where uh, George calls Paul, you know, his therapist, and he's like, where are you at? You got to tell me where you're at, you know. And there's that, and then, you know, he's like, you know, he's falling on the bed, off the bed, like, ah, you know, and just like, and they're, they're starting he's to show us a little bit. Screamer. Yeah, he's, yeah, a really good, he's a good screamer. He, he uh, the, the actor, I uh, forgot, I wrote down, uh, Baird Stafford, that Baird, plays George Tatum. He only played yeah. in one other movie uh, about seven or eight years later, but he's a good screamer. He was very convincing of, like, that he had... That he he's very convincing that he was a troubled individual. So I, I mean, maybe you know, maybe he's the most even keeled guy in the world. But he was very, he he was very convincing. Yeah, oh, he was he, absolutely. And now we're getting a little bit more of the uh, back, was showing a little bit more of that dream that he keeps having, which is basically a flashback thing. And you're showing the boy now starting to get a little bit of blood on him, and they're starting to get they're showing like blood like splattering on a wall and the dad like, Oh, and like, you know, you're seeing this kind of stuff and now we're getting a little bit more info and now we're back now down in Florida and now we're in the house and now George has got that creepy mask on CJ's mask, a Halloween mask. And now he's walking around and now we're now it's the, this is the point. This is the movie part of the, you know, we're now we're picking people off. You know, in the house. Well, and, and the, fir- the first ones to go is that is the the poor uh, babysitter. Right. Oh, she gets it so bad. Kathy, the babysitter, gets it with that what like little small pickaxe. I mean, she yeah. just gets. And talk about CJ walking in. It either what you could either either consider it the right moment or the wrong moment. He walks he walks in a- after you know George is laying waste to Kathy with that little pickaxe, and it, the look on his face was so convincing. I wondered if they like kept him away from all the special effects until that big moment where they had to reveal it because that kid wasn't the greatest of actors, but at that particular moment of that scene, he looked absolutely terrified. <laughs> I think we forget, like, if they're around that stuff, or we're around it, and we kind of are used to it, but you got to think, like, when you're, especially if you're on a set, and you see something like that, like, a little kid like that would, you know, that looks pretty real, you know, or you see something that's like, you know, you're not used to seeing stuff like this, that could be pretty terrifying, and that's probably what happened, you know, like, yeah, you're right, they probably wouldn't see any of this stuff. Until, until the yeah, until the day, until and on then, that day. Right now, he's scared as fuck, and he's got this creepy ass fucker after. So they kill uh, in his mask to boot. That's got to be right. like a, a really re- a real reversal. That that boy who cried wolf was a good reference that you made. You know, it's the boy that cried wolf personified. But you know, this is would be like the boy who cried wolf ha- actually having, you know, the the wolf come back at him. You know, li- literally, like in his own mask. You know, just like it, like oh shit. 
So now, now what happens? Now, this is pretty cool because CJ now he, he's pretty he's pretty spunky. Um, does he kill the boyfriend at that point before CJ gets the I, weapon? I can't remember if he kills him before or after. I think it comes but, afterwards. What happens is CJ runs up to a bedroom and he's trying to he locks himself into a room or something. <clears throat> and uh, our killer George now with the mask on and this tool in his hand, he starts smashing through the door and CJ has grabbed a gun, a loaded revolver. Yeah. And, and just starts, and, you know, he's very proactive. I'll say one thing for a little bastard. He's uh, very resilient. Right. And he's pretty fearless. He's got that gun out there and, and he's not afraid to let that guy have it. And he starts letting him have it. He shoots him and he end up uh, going down. He tumbles down the stairs. And then I think that this part when he... But this is after he puts like, what, four or at least four bullets into him? Because he puts a yeah. bullet in his hand. Then he shoots him in the torso, like in the, in the chest and in the stomach right. three or four more times. Because I can't remember if he's got like one bullet left or two. It's one of those moments like in... in uh, the end of Halloween with Loomis, you know, if you count the bullets, you count the different bullets being shot, you might go insane with continuity. Exactly. And, uh, but the, the cool thing now is now we're, we're, we're right there. He, he's got the gun. Like, do we got a killer that won't die scenario? What's going on here? Like, this guy is not dead yet. And he, he blasts him. And then the guy ends up tumbling down the stairs. He's still got the mask on his He's completely covered in blood. And then they go back to, we get to see the final thing where what happened is the little boy, which is our killer when he was a little kid, he goes down, he sees, you know, dad having sex with this lady and dad's getting slapped around in a sadomasochistic fetish thing. The kid runs down and grabs an axe, comes back upstairs. He comes in. The dad's like, no, no. And then the kid takes a good swing, whacks the lady who's on top of the of dad, facing dad. Right. He hits her in the neck, which is a good thing. And then he pulls the axe out and he gives her another one. And when he does this one, he decapitates her, and the head goes, you know, spinning through the air and lands by the bed. And I like they do a cool scene where they don't show her neck, but it's her real face. You know, they got a right. cool shot that and then they show that you see the dummy head laying there later and uh and then he gets on top he's full of blood and he stands on top of the bed and dad's like like trying to reason with him and he ain't having it and he hits dad in the face and it's got a shot of the dummy head and then a fake axe obviously in the real dad's head and then they go back to the dummy head and when they go to the dummy head again they like i know it was probably was like, we got 10 gallons of blood. <laughs> Fucking. We got, we got to use all this shit up. There ain't going to be no sequel. <laughs> Jim, Jim, pump that compressor up. We're using this fucking blood. That blood comes out of that fucking dummy head. And it's like a fountain of, of uh, it's, it's fucking great. It's just like pouring out of his head. Like, they used all that blood. And it looks really good. And uh, so, anyway, they show that. And they show the kid. And now the kid's like sitting there. He's got blood all over his face, and he's just staring at the camera. And this poor kid, he's just fucked up, you know. And he killed these two people, and his, his dad's one of them. And uh, so, you know, he's gone. You know, he's like, "Oh my god, this is this is what happened." And it goes back now, and uh, 
actor, uh, might I interject for a moment? The kid actor, I, I I didn't write his name down, and I don't have like IMDb open, but that played young George was very convincing. I thought, yeah. You know, uh, you know, once again, I, I I did, you know, I'm usually not fond of child actors for the most part. You know, most of them are pretty bad, but this kid was uh, once again very terrifying. And intense. He had a really intense look on his face. And they did a good job directing him because he and he did a great job. Uh, yeah, he looked very. This looked like this really just happened to him. You know, he had that look on his face, and it was it was it was outstanding. Uh, now George, finally, we're getting to toward the, where they're starting to wrap it up here. The kids basically on top of it, and the and old George lying there dying. You see the memory. Uh, basically, what happens is. Mom, boyfriend Bob, the guys that came in all the way from New York, <laughs> you know, the therapist. Everybody shows up at the house at, the, at one time, and the police and everybody are already there. They're dragging out the dead bodies and shit, and you see the dead babysitter. You know, they got no, they got no sheet on her, walking her out, and everybody's freaking out. And, and then they got, they got the dead killer laying there, and they take off his mask. And then the mom, Susan, screams, that's my husband! Ah! You know, and then, you know, it's all like everybody knows that's dad of the kid, CJ, and the two daughters, and and everything gets revealed right then, and, you know, and everything. And uh, so they take, but this is really cool. I like the way they do this. This kind of thing is done a lot, but I I, I always kind of like it. Oh, I know what you're getting at. Yeah, it's a great scene. Go, Go right ahead, sir. So they go... So now, you know, they're winding it down. Everybody's, you know, getting taken in ambulances and shit, and everything's, you know, kind of going chaos. They get CJ in the car. CJ's in the police car. They close the door, and he's in through the glass. He's kind of looking not directly up at the camera, a little bit off, like he's looking at what's going on. And he just kind of smiles, and then he winks. And then yeah. that's it. The movie and I, places as uh, as schizo, and I'm trying to I remember had, where I saw I, it. it. It wasn't on Tubi TV. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't on Netflix, obviously, because they don't have anything quite like this on on Netflix. But I'm. It was somewhere. It was. It was on a Roku station of, of some sort. Because I was like, wait a minute. I'm like I know that cover, but that's the nightmare cover. That why is it called schizo? And then I looked it up, and I'm like, huh. I think that used to be a thing they'd do a lot. They would rebox shit, you know, put another name on it and resell it. You know, some poor schlub would, <laughs> like, at the time, probably thought he was ripped off, and now he's got a cover with a schizo on it. He's a, it's a collectible. But uh, uh, it was also known as uh, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain. It was a, uh, that I read here. A nightmare I did not know that, so I'm learning yeah. something myself. Yeah, which I, you know, but I, I've only seen it written as Nightmare, and that was all I knew it as. But yeah, I didn't know it was called Schizo. That's that's a new one. It huh? was it's only in a couple countries. It might have been in, like, Japan or Australia or something like that. I, I made a note, note here of it, but I didn't write down where. <laughs> well, that's and a I, good I, name. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, the guy was definitely a little schizophrenic and a little other phrenics, yeah. but... I, I have to, since we're on the show Grindhouse Pizzeria, which encompasses everything Grindhouse and exploitation, I made a note uh, of some posters. 
that I saw and adverts in the movie when he's walking around the like the nudie booth district and the 42nd Street and whatnot. I saw posters for Sister Street Fighter with Sonny Chiba. I saw a poster and a, a headline for the Five Deadly Venoms. Stir oh, crazy. Right. Okay. Yeah, stir crazy with Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder, Caligula, some big yeah, I've titles that. of that. Era. Yeah, um, the big titles of that era. <laughs> I have I have to, to say once again, if there's any final thought I have on this movie, too much too much teeth licking at the nudie booth. It's yeah, that was a weird. That was, that was like this is like it, oh, it couldn't get any more un unsexy. It was like, you know, like I said, it looked, it was sad. It was like, oh, like, you know, like, oh, she's knocking on the glass, you know. He yeah. looks over and she's like, eh. It was like, oh, come, come, come on, hither, don't do my that. darling, like, no, I ain't come hither was, nothing. Yeah, that's pretty sad. Well, uh, uh, should we get into our, our, our final uh, thought and rating on this, sir? Let's do it. All right. Well, you you know the rules. Guests always go first, so have at it. Well, I'll tell you what. I I I'm an old slasher lover, and this is back in the heyday. And I'm gonna give it a nine. I, I don't care. I I think it's up there. I you know, and uh, and uh, eight or nine, right in that. And I'll just give it a nine. I think it's a good story. I think our main actor, um, uh, Baird Stafford, is George Tatum did an outstanding job. Um, yeah, there's some stuff in there like you, any movie like this. You go, oh, yeah, okay, but but I mean overall, it, it, to me, it delivered the goods. It had a good story. You had the cute babysitter that was in peril. You had the the kids, you know, the little snotty kid named CJ who turned out to be pretty cool, you know. And uh, you got the the kind of the goofy, you know, got side guys like that that the cigar smoking man. Man with cigar. <laughs> and cigar, and then you've got the therapist. You had all that. You had a cool house. The location was cool. You had a good backstory with the kid, and then the kid to play the young killer. Uh, that little boy was a really good actor. You know, uh, the, the actual scene that set up the rest of the movie, you know, with that axe, the, him killing that lady with the axe, and then the father, that was a great setup. The effects are really good. There's lots of blood. Um, everything, you know, it's a good story. It's a good backstory. And, uh, I thought it was a good movie. So I'm going to give it a solid nine with all of it. And I enjoy it. And I, and I will definitely watch it again. And again, I know we've said this already, but if you have not seen it, uh, and you're into this stuff, you're, you're missing out. You need to get on the stick and look it up, buy a copy or go see it free on, on Amazon prime because it's, uh, it's well worth it. And, uh, it's a, it's a good movie. I'm with you on a lot of that, Tom. Um, I, I think it's directed well. It's got a good uh, cinematography to it. Uh, the, about the only detractor I have from it is the music is very disjointed. It felt yeah. like they were trying to attempt a Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of vibe to it, you know, with some tones and some awkward notes and whatnot. But it, that, that's the one thing that didn't really work for me. Uh, it was the only really detractor. And some of the acting is a bit uneven. But... Uh, uh, our main character is great. He really sells it as a man who's very troubled and very mentally uh, challenged slash disabled or whatever. He is, like I said, it has a very early 80s, you know, shot on video, even though it's shot on film, but it has a very shot on video, very raw kind of feel, feeling to it. 
And a note I made that I have to bring up is the house at the beginning that's in the flashback, it looks like the Myers house. It looks like the Myers <laughs> house from uh, Halloween movies. But that was something I, I had to mention. But the kill scenes are what really sell this. You know, if you want a good slasher and you want good kills, you want good gore, and it this movie has, it, it, it doesn't have that. It doesn't have good and gore and kills it has great gore and great kills if you're looking for a good slasher this is not your typical hack and slash it's got a great story you know and i've already mentioned it you know it is was on the video nasty list so you know it, it's it's a dirty film that people aren't supposed to see but you should see it um i'm coming in just slightly lower than you i'm gonna actually i was coming in at a 7.5 but as we were talking about and reminiscing, you know, and, and trading stories back and forth, it kind of made me see it a little bit differently with some of it. So I'm going to come in a little higher and give it an eight, which I cool. still feel is uh, very, very solid for, you know, a, a, you know, a video nasty slasher. Right. Cool. But, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, if you're a fan of these type of films, you've already, as you've already said it, you, you know, you, you, you should see it if you haven't. Right, absolutely. Absolutely. Nightmare, 1981. Manos Cavallini, uncut. Yeah, yeah. He did a great job. That was, I mean, he's awesome. That was cool. That was very you good. You know, and I don't, believe, I don't believe that he really ever did a whole lot of uh, other kind of horror. Like, you know, he did like a, a couple of, of movies, but, you know, I mean, this was his first, not first, but like he did uh, something called Savage Hunt. That I've been looking for, and the other only other movie that our uh, actor Byard had done was another movie that he did called Dog Tags. So I know he's, uh, he, but he also, you know, um, I was just looking up because I had had the cheat and go on IMDb. He has something announced. I don't know if you know this or not, Tom, but this uh, no. I, I was, uh, he has something announced called Nightmare: The Wandering Soul, announced. Whoa, cool. It said it was announced in 2017, but has had renewed interest apparently in the last year. There's really not anything else other than that. Uh, his country of origin is Italy, which where that this was an Italian production as well. You know, it was shot mostly in New York and in uh, down in Florida, but it was an Italian production. Right. So I don't know. It doesn't have anything. No, no there's real no information on it. It, it was announced in february of 2017 there was nothing else listed about it but but an article saying that you know that it was announced so hey we we might we might get it that's cool hey you know what i gotta bring up a point because you you brought up a good you you brought up a good point about the music um imagine this movie, I you know, it's funny you say. I didn't even really take that into account. I, the minute you said that, I was thinking, could you imagine this film if it had a score like Halloween? I mean, how much? I mean, how much more effective it would have been, or even like a good giallo, um, you know, like an Italian kind of a you know horror kind of a yeah, you know, know like a good Fulci flick or an Argento. Yeah. Oh my God! The scores, oh, man. I, I tell you what, that would have made. That would have made a big difference in this, and, and when you said that, I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, you're right," because that wasn't that soundtrack is not the best, and they could have really done. And like, just think about it, you know, think about it, you know, like something that's so effective that's it's actually a you know, 
you know, how many times can you say it? You know, Halloween. That's that. That's like part of the. That's that's like a character and uh, unto itself. You know, the music. Oh, you know, the and, music and, is. You know, I mean, just like Friday the Thirteenth again. You know, we always, right. we're always mentioning Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween on this show, but there's reasons because they're that damn well, good. The music is a character in and of itself, or at least it should be. And I think that's part, like I said, it was one of the, you know, the few reasons why I couldn't come in quite as high as you did on it. Because the music was just, it was like the one thing that I, I I saw or heard, I should say, I didn't hear, see it. But, you know, when I heard it, it was just, yeah, it is. I, I know they were trying to make it uncomfortable and make it seem as disjointed probably as his mind is. You know, as, as the character George Tatum's mind is, and I understood what they were. I think I understand at least what they were trying to go for. It just didn't work for me because it was this. You know, a couple of times it was almost like fingernails down a chalkboard. It was like, ooh, like that. No good, sir. No. Yeah, you're right. No, I I, I agree with you on that. I'm with you on that. I agree with you 100. percent But that's cool that we hopefully this uh, Mr. Scavellini uh, is uh, going to be putting out another movie. That would be cool. I, I didn't know anything was announced. That's very exciting. Uh, that would yeah. be nice to see somebody from, you know, old school like that. You know, throwing another film in the ring. That would be uh, that would be awesome. I'm that's I'm gonna look into that too. And, I can't uh, find any you know information uh, about it because the last thing that he directed was in uh, 2012. So you know, I mean, it, you never know if it's uh, you know a project that's ever going to see the light of day. But you know, hey, I mean, as long as it's, you know, as long as it's in the works, I mean, somebody's thinking about it. Right. Right. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's that could awesome. be really Now you know, maybe we'll have nightmares. Yeah, nightmares. <laughs> bad pun. Bad pun. I'm full of bad puns. <laughs> well, Tom, thanks again for uh, weathering the storm. I don't know how much of this uh, hellacious thunderstorm over here that <laughs> that you've gotten any of it, but man. It's been rattling my windows the whole show. But thank you again for weathering the storms for us and uh, coming on for another episode of Grindhouse Pizzeria. Always a pleasure, my friend. I love doing these, and let's keep doing them. I know I'm sure there are the fans of uh, of uh, Cinema Degeneration are digging us, and uh, I know I love doing them, and uh, they're, I, like, I love listening to them. Uh, they're a lot of fun, and uh, talking about movies is, is fun, and it's good seeing these movies as well and going back and revisiting them and and uh especially talking to somebody else about it that enjoys them just as much and you know it's 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 it's, it's fun it's a good afternoon of an evening of just to sit around and listen to some cool some cool uh film talk and uh, you know it, yeah. it's it, it kind of keeps them alive and gets them out there and a lot of some of the stuff you know we all know and some of the stuff like little gems like this maybe somebody never heard of and they go out and they they go looking for it, and that's also cool. You know, you know if, like, I can, yeah. if I can influence one person just to try a, a different movie out that maybe they wouldn't have tried otherwise, then I've done my job. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. All right. Well, our job, once again, is done here for the evening. You have been listening to Grindhouse Pizzeria on the Cinema Degeneration Network. I am your host, Cameron Scott, and this has been my co-host, Tom Commissar, and we're bidding you a fond farewell for the evening. Have a great evening, everybody. We'll see you again. Thank you. Green, type this up uh, first thing when you come in the morning. See that it's distributed and put in Tatum's file, okay? Case history synopsis. Tatum transferred from Braston State Hospital for the criminally insane 
remanded there by 5th District Court after arrest as suspect in sexual mutilation and murder of Brooklyn family. Medical profile, uh, intermittent epileptic seizures. Psychological profile, paranoid schizophrenia with delusions of grandeur and obsessive compulsive dream ideation. Dream ideation apparently triggered violent psychotic attacks. Uh, suffering from severe amnesia. George's initial response to methocycladine was promising. Later switched to our newest hypnotic drugs, Hylamine and TL54. He's shown rapid progress since. Psychotic behavior has been extinguished. Schizophrenia, drug controlled. Seizures, drug controlled. Obsessive compulsive ideation is drug controlled. And the dream fixations and the acting out have been modified by behavior techniques. Prognosis. Tatum is our first major success. We have taken a dangerous psychotic and completely rebuilt him. Programming him for future government or private sector use will be our next step. Uh, my congratulations to one and all involved. Thanks, Karen.